Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, good afternoon and welcome under crisp, clear skies and temperatures at 66 degrees with sunny conditions expected the rest of the way. Oh, it's a chamber of commerce day. Started off really cool and crisp at 40 degrees, but we're moving on up to a high of 69. There's your weather report, but it's great to be with you on this Wednesday, middle of the week, March 15th, the year 2023. We had some good, we had some really good, and we had some really ugly things to talk about today, and we will do so within the confines of our our show, which is from two to four each and every day, Monday through Friday. We couldn't get it done without my producer, James Mesh, who is spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette, or also on KLCJ 1041. In Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, the really, really good starts off with the top-ranked LSU Tiger baseball team who took care of its business in its final non-conference game before the start of SEC play, taking care of UNO 16 to zip. They decided to play nine innings because... Jay Johnson wanted to get enough pictures in there to get him some more, get him some more reps with the win. LSU's win streak is now at 11 games. They are 16 and one heading into sec play this Friday in college station, Texas to take on the Aggies of a and M. Um, the big story of the day was Garrett Edwards, who picks a total of three and two thirds innings, retiring every batter he faced, picked up five strikeouts as he came in relief of starter Chase Shores. Uh, so Edwards took care of business. Um, there was scoreless through four LSU got three runs in the fifth. Uh, Paxton Kling walked Dylan Cruz double Tommy White. They call him Tanks White. Hit a three-run bomb over the left field wall. LSU tacked on seven more runs in the sixth, and it was all she wrote from there. So uh, LSU took care of business. No run rule in effect. Uh, LSU substituted heavily late in the game, and they continued to pour it on, adding six runs in the eighth. 16 zip the final score. Next up, the 30-game grind known as the SEC schedule commences 
So there you go. Meanwhile, the Raging Cajuns took care of business at the Teague. Uh, UL second baseman John Taylor had a three-run inside-the-park home run in the bottom of the first inning. That was the catalyst for a seven-zip win over Jackson State. Next up, today, Cajuns are on the road as they will take on Mississippi State 5 p.m. at MGM Park in Biloxi, Mississippi, which is right across the street from Beau Rivage. Yes, indeed. So that was the really, really good and the real good. And then we had the really, 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 really bad. With so much to play for, so much on the ga- on the line. The New Orleans Pelicans came out against the Los Angeles Lakers in front of a packed house at home with a chance to even their four-game season series, get a game up over the Lakers in the Western Conference standings, and the Pelican just put on an embarrassing effort. It was awful. Pelicans fell behind by 36 points in the first half. They were lifeless. The Lakers got every loose ball. They got every rebound. They hustled. They played. They knocked down shots. And the Pelicans just laid down and played dead. The final score, nothing near what the game was like. Lakers win it 123-108. to There was no sense of urgency again. And that comes down to everyone in that organization. If I were Gail Benson, the owner of that franchise, I would have every coach, every player in front of me, and we would have a come to Jesus moment. Because that is totally, totally unacceptable. The Pelicans and Lakers are headed in opposite directions. New Orleans is three and seven since the All-Star break. The Lakers are seven and three. And guess what? Oh, yeah, the Pels don't have Zion. Well, guess what? The Lakers don't have LeBron James. And I do believe LeBron James has a whole heck of a lot more skins on the wall than one Zion Williamson. Oh, that other former Pelican, Anthony Davis, all he did was score 35 points and grab 17 rebounds. Even the players were calling it a must win. The Pelicans look like, you know, you you get that soft drink before you go to bed and you you open it up and you sit it down, you take a sip or two and you fall asleep. You wake up the next morning and that soda is as flat as can be and you got to throw it away. And that's exactly what the Pelicans were like. Flat. That comes from a coach who doesn't motivate and players who maybe can't get motivated. That was absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. Well, guess what? Aaron Rodgers told the Pat McAfee show that he intends to play for the New York Jets this season. There you go. Okay. Well, whatever. Now we'll see what happens from 
there. Texas A&M Corpus Christi survives and advances in a in a really really good basketball game against Southeast Missouri. Pitt edged Mississippi State. Oh, the Bulldogs had a shot from the corner at Oh, just a clean, clean look. Couldn't get it to drop. The tip wouldn't fall. And Pitt survives and advances into the field of 64. Two more play-in games today. Fairleigh Dickinson against former LSU coach Johnny Jones. And Texas Southern University is one of the final uh, first four games uh, that will be played, followed by Nevada and Arizona State. And then we'll get down to cases tomorrow. Absolutely tomorrow. According to sources, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are bringing in quarterback Baker Mayfield to be their quarterback in the NBA. John Moran has met with NBA commissioner Adam Silver. He is uh, was was in a counseling program in Florida. And now he awaits the league's findings in a probe into his handling of a firearm at a suburban Denver nightclub earlier this month. Once the league makes Morant's next steps clear, he's expected to start ramping up on a return to the Grizzlies season. So we shall see from there. Well, the New Orleans Saints got busy. Um, Jameis Winston offered a thorough explanation why he returned to the Saints as a backup. He talked. He said, I just love the city. I love how the fan base embraces me. I want to see this team win. I want to see this city win for at least one more year. I am here. There you go. The Saints have come to terms with a couple of defensive linemen. Yes, indeed, they have. Uh, Today, the first official day of free agency, sources say the Saints are going to sign defensive tackle Nathan Shepard. Also, they're expected to sign defensive tackle Kalen Saunders. Uh, Saunders is headed to New Orleans after four years with the Kansas City Chiefs. His new three-year deal is reportedly worth up to $14.5 million. So that's good. Um, Shepard and Saunders will fill major holes left behind by former Saints defensive tackles Shai Tuttle, who is expected to sign with Carolina, and David Anyamata, who's expected to sign with the Atlanta Falcons. So we'll have much more on that um, during the program today. So uh, there you go. Um, Angel Reese, as the LSU women's team gets ready to host Hawaii in the first round of the NCAA tournament on Friday. Angel Reese landed a spot on the Associated Press All-American team. Um, she is joined by Aliyah Boston, who is now a member of the Elite Three Timers Club. She was honored for the third straight year as an All-American today. Joined on the first team by Iowa's Caitlin Clark, Villanova's Maddie Segrest, Indiana's Mackenzie Holmes, and LSU's Angel Reese. Boston and Clark were unanimous choices by the 28-member national media panel that votes in the AP Top 25 each week. So congratulations to Angel 
Reese. That's pretty darn good stuff, and she deserves it. As she leads the SEC in scoring, she leads the SEC in rebounding. She's led LSU in just about everything, averaging 23.4 points, 15 and a half rebounds, shooting 54% from the field. She broke Sylvia Fowles' school record of 20 consecutive double doubles. Um, she's pretty darn good. Our guest list today. Here we go. Matthew Bruni will join us from BengalTigerOn3.com. We'll talk LSU baseball. We'll talk about um, LSU basketball, sending out some offers to some players. We'll see if Matt McMahon can gather them in. Chris Dunnels will join us. His viewpoint on the New Orleans Saints situation as we now await more free agency, and then the NFL draft. And then, of course, it's hump day with Huguenin in hour number two. Mike Huguenin from On3.com. We'll talk NCAA tournament. We'll get his bracket. We'll get his final four and more. It's all coming your way today, Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. Let's take a time out. When we return, Matthew Bruni, LSU baseball, <laughs> living up to the billing next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. So enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and of course, the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is 18 minutes after the hour. Welcome back on this Wednesday, March 15th. LSU baseball has played 17 games. They're 16 and one. But now they're getting ready to get into the gauntlet of the SEC, where the winning percentage is of all the teams put together is 82%. A year where, according to LSU baseball coach Jake Johnson, 11 or 12 teams should make the NCAA tournament shows you how great this conference is in baseball all things lsu the source to go to is matthew bernie who covers lsu for bengal tiger on three.com amongst other things that he does and he's joining us now and i greatly appreciate it matthew good afternoon sir how are you hey jordy i'm doing well um like like you said had jay johnson earlier today uh just wrote a women's basketball preview up for the tournament so uh everything's going well this baseball team um i mean they're just as of right here right now they're just a juggernaut i mean they are destroying people and some of these people that they're destroying have played 
other teams in the SEC here, there, and everywhere and have held their own. I mean, this team has got all the all the pressure in the world on them as the number one team in the country, but it just doesn't seem to matter. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're rolling. Obviously, the win over New Orleans being the most recent. Um, I mean, they've there was a joke. We talked with Hunt Palmer a bit. Obviously, he does our, our baseball stuff and does a lot of stuff around LSU. But uh, the joke is that, you know, when they get to the eighth inning, they treat the eighth inning as a postgame show now. That's what they call the postgame show because it's basically the game's <laughs> over at that point. And uh, right. the pitching has just come along as – as we had hoped, I mean the bats are the bats. I mean we just, you know, they're just putting up runs. There was some question. Uh, I thought Levan asked a good question in the press conference today about left-handed um, pitchers and how they're seeing them, and you know they're not seeing them quite as well as righties. But I think um, there wasn't any concern from Jay Johnson about you know what they're what they're going to get um, at the plate in conference play. Are they? Thirty-four home runs on the year. Their opponents only nine. Seventeen games, only five errors this year. So a fielding percentage of point nine nine zero. That's that's how you win. You don't help the other team out. So their defense has improved dramatically. Yeah, and there was a little bit of you know of a question mark when Tommy White got hurt at third base and they had to shuffle it around and put Jared Jones at first base moved Trey Morgan to left field and so um there was a little bit of shuffling there uh, but it doesn't seem to matter it just seems like everything's worked out now Tommy White's back at third base that's where um coach Johnson wants him at and he said that's their best lineup was when he's at third and so get him at third put Trey back at first um Jared Jones at uh designated hitter and kind of roll from there at catcher obviously um They've had Brady Neal in for the most part, but Alex Malazzo got to start against New Orleans, so they're kind of working both of them in there. Uh, Malazzo, the better defensive catcher. Neal, the better offensive uh, catcher. So a lot of options, as we expected, and uh, we'll see how how it shakes out this weekend. Did uh, Coach Johnson allude to his weekend rotation? We know it's going to be Paul Skeens. I've got to believe Thatcher Hurd's going to be in there in some way, shape, or form. And, And Ty Floyd, are those your three? I think those are the three. I think those are the three. Um, you kind of laid it out well. Gaines is obviously the go-to guy. I think Floyd has done enough to earn, you know, the trust of um, of, of Coach Johnson uh, in year two now, and then Thatcher Hurd settling in, um, you know, uh, p- pitching the way that he did against Texas and, you know, pitching the way he has in the past couple weeks, I think, has earned the trust. And then, if, you know, Chase Shores is the midweek guy. I don't know if that will be the case all the time, but I think that's a pretty comfortable for a guy, you know, in Chase Shores, who's a, a freshman and, uh, you know, <laughs> very, very good. Well, Garrett Edwards was terrific. Christian Little's yep. been great coming out of the bullpen. I mean, you take Thatcher Hurd, you take his, his start against Southern, his debut as a Tiger, you take that out of the equation, his ERA is less than one. Um, I mean, Ty Floyd is, they're only batting .094 against him, .099 against Skeens. Wow, that, that's a that's a triumvirate there. Yeah, and so the, with the starting pitching being the way that it's been the past few weeks, obviously they haven't had to use the um, the bullpen much, and even when they have been able to use the bullpen, the game's been over in seven innings. So uh, that's been one of the areas Coach Johnson talked about in the press conference uh, that they're a little. I mean, it's it's kind of twofold, right? It's 
the fact that they haven't played in many close games besides Texas, which was a great experience for them, but they haven't mm-hmm. played in many close games, and as a result, they haven't had to, um, you know, dig deep into the bullpen. They haven't had, you know, stressful innings for those relief guys, and so that's going to be um, an interesting point to watch over the coming weeks as SEC play starts. Texas A&M this Friday in College Station, Texas. Meanwhile, this Friday, LSU's women's basketball team would open up uh, NCAA tournament play, 430 tip against Hawaii. Angel Reese named an AP All-American today. Uh, what's the vibe of this LSU team if they're, as they're coming off their only their second loss of the season uh, in a game that they had under control and let it slip away against Tennessee? Yeah, um, Mulkey was gave a little smile when she said um, called their practices intense. Um, I think anybody who's watched this team or anybody who knows the personalities on this team between Angel Reese and Alexis Morris, um, they will not be lacking urgency this year. Not saying they lacked urgency last year, but last year was such a uh, weird year with Alexis getting hurt and just did, they didn't feel right going into the postseason. This year, even though they lost to Tennessee, I think they feel right. They're healthy. Mentally, they're in the right spot. I think they're um, a little, they're more versatile defensively this year than last year. They can handle um, runs better. I mean, I, I feel good about this team, and I think the draw set up for them pretty nicely. I mean, Hawaii, they should roll through. I was oh, actually wow. yeah. one of my friends texted me that they're thirty-two point favorites in that game, which is absurd yeah. for a first round game. But then they get Michigan, and Michigan's a real solid team, but they're not like Ohio State. Uh, That's right. The team that beat LSU last year, that Ohio State team could shoot the lights down, and they're showing it this year as a three-seed. So um, I think the draw set up nice. I think they're locked in, and I'm, I'm excited to see them go. My buddy Jay Billis has LSU going to the Final Four for one reason and one reason only. He said, I'm scared to death of Kim Mulkey. So uh, we shall see. <laughs> Who is the key? Yeah, we know what Angel Reese is going to do. Um, they've got to get steady backcourt play. And uh, I know Flaugé Johnson is a, is a freshman, but she's she's played too many games now. She's got to get tougher. Uh, they they And they got to shoot the ball better from the perimeter because I think teams are going to sag in and, and say, mm-hmm. okay, LSU <laughs> – we know if we don't double up on Angel Reese, she'll kill us. So y'all shoot from outside and see if you can beat us. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what what teams will do, um, especially Michigan if they play in the second round. I think that would be the, the game plan. I look at Alexis Morris, obviously, as the second-best player on the team. She, at yeah. times this year, has picked her spots. At times, has been kind of a little too passive for me. I think uh, she can come out and set the tone in uh, you know a game against Michigan or UNLV in the second round. I think if she's able to do that, stretch them out it kind of settles everybody down you know how it is when you have a point guard that can settle everyone down and get flage in a rhythm get even even if jasmine carson can get in the rhythm that's icing on the cake so um yeah i agree with you 100 percent. the backcourt is kind of the x factor because you don't know what you're getting from them on a game in game out basis and uh you for the most part know what you're getting from angel reese and ladeja williams no question about that. This is uh, the one and only Matthew Bruni from uh, BengalTigerOn3.com. How's how's my boy Matt McMahon doing? He's got to go get some players, and they got that guy that's uh, over there in Lafayette now who I know he's going to get players. So some mm-hmm. pressures, even a little bit more pressure put on Matt McMahon. Yeah, you got uh, UL over there in the tournament. You got Will Wade yeah. at McNeese. You got Tulane playing great basketball. Everybody's. Getting some players here in Louisiana. Um, yeah, that, that's 
we've talked about it before. They're going to have to get players, and they know that. They've already handed out a handful of offers, I think five or six offers that have made, been made public. Um, and when I say offers, it's more of, you know, reaching out to players, contacting them, um, right. getting on a, you know, name basis uh, with them. So that, that'll all continue to develop. Um, it is interesting that the teams that don't make, you know, the tournament, don't make the NIT get a head start on this. So that is one of the benefits, I guess, of not being good. Uh, you can make the first contact with these guys, but yeah, it's going to be a really interesting couple of weeks here as they try to find some guys. I've, I've, from what I've heard, I think in the ballpark of four or five transfers is, is realistic. I, I think so. Um, Texas A&M Corpus Christi won in their first four game. They're going to face top seed Alabama. Poor Mississippi State had a great look to try and beat yep. Pitt. The, the three ball from the corner didn't fall, so Pitt outlast them in the first four my boy johnny jones tries to survive and advance again third straight year at texas southern what kind of odds you give them against fairly dickinson uh texas southern 14 and 20 on the year but here they are again man that johnny jones man he's like you said third straight year making the tournament and i, I do a texas college basketball podcast and we're like all right, this is the year they're not going to make it. They're an eight seed in the SWAC, and yet here they are. They won the SWAC as an eight seed. So, yeah, I, I think they're two-point favorites tonight. I, I mean, they can keep it going. I mean, they've already beaten some pretty capable teams in the SWAC, so we'll see if they can get it done tonight. But, yeah, that, that Mississippi State game was, was awesome. I think 21 lead changes, and then the worst yeah. three-point shooting team in the country had a shot at, from three to win the game and missed it. And the tip right, well, as well. LSU baseball on a roll. LSU women should advance out of Baton Rouge and then head where? To uh, Greenville? Greenville, um, yeah. They're Greenville. doing a Greenville. They're doing Greenville as uh, – they're only having two regions. So, you know, on the men's it's smart. four regions. They're only having two on the women's side. I think that's smart. I really do. I, I think that's I think so very heads up on the, the women's side of things. So we'll go from there. Matthew Bruni, football's got some time off strains. They have two practices and then – like mm-hmm. 10 days off but hey whatever whatever uh enjoy some of this weather and uh as always it's great great to talk with you man thank you yep thanks for having me anytime jordy all right yep. matthew bruni on uh bengal tiger on three.com chris Dunnels on the latest with the new orleans saints next this is the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros brought to you each and every day by Shoprite, tobacco plus discount outlets if you can't shop right at Shoprite, you can't shop right at all by ducks cleaning america's air from the inside out eon of lafayette baton rouge and mandeville the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction by the louisiana lottery you can't win until you start playing by dc's little capital exxon everything under the sun in their Store, including a true soul food deli with the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted and by cajun chef oh it's crawfish season shrimp season turn up the taste with cajun chef hot sauce this is the jordy holtberg show live from the evco development studios in upper lafayette on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station 
35 minutes after the hour, my next guest, I value his opinion, formerly the managing editor of Canal Street Chronicles. Now he's he's a dad, he's a he's a businessman, he's doing his thing, but he's still locked in when it comes to the New Orleans Saints and the NFL. Christopher Dunnell's kind enough to join us. Chris, thank you so much, my man. How's life treating you? Can't complain too much, just trying to keep two small kids alive. So uh, <laughs> prayers welcome there. <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. Um, more surprising to you, Michael Thomas going back to the Saints next year or Jameis Winston coming back to the Saints next year? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, I will say Michael Thomas coming back to the Saints. Okay. Uh, had you changed the question a little bit and said what would have been more surprising, Michael Thomas returning or Jameis returning after the Saints get Derek Carr, maybe that changes my answer. But when you were looking at the offseason, Jameis Winston was always a potential option. Once you heard what the Saints did with Michael Thomas's contract, it looked like the writing was on the walls for him to be released. Uh, so I was pleasantly shocked uh, when news first broke that the two sides were engaged in potential discussions for him to return in 2023, and mm-hmm. then happily surprised when it was formally announced he's back on a one-year deal. It's a crazy year. It's a crazy how things change from one year to the next. Last year, uh, Andy Dalton was the starting quarterback for the Saints. Baker Mayfield was with the Carolina Panthers, and Tom Brady was with the Bucs. Now the Saints have Derek Carr, the Panthers have Andy Dalton, and the Bucs are going to have Baker Mayfield. Um, I kind of like the Saints' chances here and now in the NFC South. Yeah, so a lot of intra-division signings, obviously with quarterbacks, and the Falcons have signed numerous uh, New Orleans Saints defensive players this offseason mm-hmm. as well. But let's not forget, while the Panthers did sign Baker Mayfield, and he might start week one, they also made a trade for the first overall pick in the 2023 yeah. NFL draft. So their starting quarterback, maybe as early as 2023, but definitely 2024 and beyond, is going right. to be someone else. You know, Whether it's C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever, it's not going to be Baker Mayfield. If you were making the decision for Carolina, which quarterback would you take? Stroud, without question, uh, out of Ohio State. I think he's the best pure passer. His athleticism has been uh, up there. Now, granted, you have uh, Anthony Richardson out of Florida, who as far as just straight athleticism goes, and his raw athletic score is the highest of the quarterback position in NFL history and combine history. I think Cam Newton, but a true Superman. But if I'm looking at someone I can try to build a franchise around who I know his floor is almost as high as his ceiling could be, it's going to be someone like C.J. Stroud. If the Saints hadn't picked up Derek Carr, would Michael Thomas still be here? I, I keep thinking maybe the the interest in a Michael Thomas really didn't exist, and he's using this one year to bet on himself so he can come get a bigger contract after that. I think Derek Carr certainly adds to that, but um, what's your thought process on Michael Thomas? I think you're spot on. I think that truly there was definitely some interplay with the incoming Derek Carr. By all accounts, Michael Thomas was one of the ones recruiting Carr to come and join the New Orleans Saints. And then once that happened, Carr was then one of the ones talking to Michael Thomas to try to convince him to stick around for another season. But at the same time, I think Thomas is a smart guy. He's a smart businessman also. So he knows 
that he can bet on himself with a one-year kind of prove-it deal and then hit the market next season and get a big-money contract, whether it's with the Saints or someone else. Christopher Donald's with us. Um, we know Shy Tuttle, David Anyamata gone. Uh, the Saints apparently have come to terms with a couple of other defensive linemen, most notably Kalen Saunders, the former Kansas City Chief uh, interior lineman. What do you think of the, the two pickups uh, that the Saints got on the defensive line? So Kalen, the former Chief, probably could start, uh, be a starting defensive tackle for the Saints if need be. Uh, he is a big boy. He's six foot three thirty, uh, but he can book it, and he is strong as an ox. So I expect him to fill up a lot of holes in the run game that we might have been lacking last season. Now the other Saints signing, the other defensive tackle, Nathan Shepard from the Jets, could be good. Um, and when I say good, I, that's not necessarily an indictment or an insult. I just mean he's not a high ceiling kind of player. He's probably more of a depth rotational piece. It wouldn't shock me to see the Saints add to this position, probably in the draft. I had my eye on former Saints defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins, also who just most recently spent time with the Jets. But news just broke that he assigned a deal with the Houston Texans, so he's now off the market. So he was probably one of the best options available remaining in free agency. So now I'd expect the Saints to probably address this in the first three rounds of the upcoming draft. All right, so with the 29th pick in the first round, um, what would Chris Dunnels like the Saints to do? Uh, well, you're probably going to be surprised by my answer, but I no. would love to see, assuming the player were to fall some and or the Saints have to trade up a few spots, there's this running back out of the University of Texas. You might have heard okay. of him, John Robinson. Yeah, uh, I think he would be a great pick. For the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Alvin Kamara is no spring chicken as far as a running back is concerned. I mean, don't forget a player like Ezekiel Elliott, who led the NFL in rushing not that long ago, has just been released by the Dallas Cowboys as a free agent. So lifespan in the NFL as a running back is pretty short to begin with. And then when you add in on top of that, the struggles that Kamara might face outside of the NFL with his legal issues and a possible suspension coming. For who knows, maybe up to the entire season, the Saints are going to need something at running back. They can sign a veteran free agent, sure, but I would love to see them bring in a guy like Robinson and be the next running back to take the reins after Kamara were to eventually leave. You look at the rest of the offensive skill positions now that Michael Thomas is back, and you say, okay, you've got Derek Carr at quarterback, you've got Michael Thomas and Chris Olave, and your just undrafted free agent who came out of nowhere, uh, Rashid Shahid. But then you look at running back, and if you say Kamara misses the season due to suspension, that position is looking pretty scant. So I would love to see Robinson get drafted by the Saints. I have a feeling he's going to go in the early teens, though. Chris McDonald's with us. Um, Saints set their sights on Derek Carr from day one. Why Derek Carr and maybe why not uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it simply the, the durability or lack thereof of Garoppolo? So, you know, before I answer that, Jordy, it's time for me to take a little victory lap when you asked me to put my money on who the next Saints quarterback was going to be. You did. And I told you, you know, months ago that it was going to be Derek Carr. So my reason for that That's is That's me giving you a standing ovation. That is me giving <laughs> you a standing ovation. You were absolutely spot on. So why? Yeah, so I think what it comes down to is Dennis Allen. 
Dennis Allen knows his record in his season last year wasn't great. Yeah. So he knows the hot seat is warming up under him. And if the team were to get off to a slow start in 2023, then, or just at the end of the season have a bad record, a losing record, he might be let go. And considering his past tenure with the Raiders as a head coach, his time as an NFL head coach might be over. So he couldn't risk drafting a young quarterback. He couldn't risk signing someone who is injury-prone, like Jimmy Garoppolo, which might then force you to play a backup. But the rookie obviously would have growing pains. So that leaves you to free agency. And Derek Carr was, regardless of how good he might be, he was the cream of the free agent crop by a landslide. So when your options were Derek Carr or bringing back Andy Dalton or signing Baker Mayfield, you're probably going to go Derek Carr every time. And we've already seen Dennis Allen, his final year with the Raiders, say in the exact same situation, when he realized he was potentially on the hot seat, he pulled the trigger and went to Derek Carr. Yeah. So he's already shown once a propensity to kind of stick his career and, and tie it to Derek Carr's. So why wasn't he going to do it again? Uh, the, the match was just too obvious and too apparent from the outside. So even when all the other news was coming in that the Jets were interested, maybe he was leaning to New York, or when the news first broke that the trade before Carr was released didn't end up coming together with the Saints, I never had a doubt in my mind. Carr to New Orleans was always going to be the way it was going to go. You were spot on and accurate, Chris Dunnels. Uh, you know, you Diet Coke on that one, although I don't think I bet you. I just took your word, and I, I, and I went with it and told everybody that's who the next quarterback is going to be. So we'll see. We found out today, finally, on the Pat McAfee show that Aaron Rodgers says he plans to play for the New York Jets. What do you think of that? I think that good for him. Hopefully he can follow in the footsteps of Brett Favre, <laughs> play for the Jets a little bit, go to the Vikings. And the Saints can beat Minnesota on their way to another Super Bowl. But as far crazy? as the Saints are concerned, it's another quarterback out of the NFC. NFC yes. is just getting weaker and weaker at the quarterback position. So it is yeah. as good a time as any for the Saints to try to make a run. Yeah. Isn't that just crazy how Favre and, and Rodgers are kind of so connected in that regard? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, hopefully we're, we're talking about this in 15 years. And Jordan Love is deciding he's going to unretire from the Packers and go play for the Jets. <laughs> um, free agency. You mentioned defensive tackle, defensive line. What's going to happen on the Saints offensive line? What's happening with Andrus Pete? Yeah, so he is a, uh, a big money player right now as far as what he counts against the cap. I think if the Saints were going to make a move and get rid of Pete, they would have done it last offseason when it might have been a little more manageable. Um, okay. While they could get rid of him now and save a little bit in the cap, I think instead they probably do the Mickey Loomis special, do a restructure, kick the can down the road a little more, yeah. and we see Pete still play uh, on the New Orleans Saints offensive line in 2023. Man, that uh, that down the road, that causeway is like 26 miles. They're, they're almost out of real estate. They have to come up with another road, right? Because they, they kick that thing every year. Well, as long as there's not a global pandemic again that makes the salary cap drop year over year, it should be okay because all they keep banking on is the fact that the cap keeps increasing. So as long as the cap keeps increasing year over year and revenue doesn't drop because of COVID, then as long as they keep kicking the can down the road, they'll still get more money to play with each year. And so far, it's worked. Uh, the, The haters outside the organization can criticize it all they want. 
A lot of people criticized the Rams for their approach, which was forgetting all the draft picks. Saints went, forget cap space. Rams went, forget draft picks. Rams won a Super Bowl with it, and now everyone's shut up. So hopefully the Saints can win it all and shut up all the critics. All right, so running back, I'd love to get B. John Robinson. Need to go get a get another defensive lineman in the draft or through free agency. What's next? What's what's another area that needs to be shored up in your opinion? There's a few. So defensive line at multiple positions, right? Both at defensive yep. tackle and defensive end. They lost Marcus Davenport in free agency. Right. Cam Jordan's getting older. Davenport was supposed to be one of the players to potentially take over there. Peyton Turner, another player who was yes. supposed to kind of take over at defensive end, hasn't really shown mm-hmm. his full potential because of injuries and whatnot. So I'd expect multiple spots on the defensive line. I could see moves at tight end. Uh, Juwan Johnson was brought back, but right now your tight ends are Johnson and Adam Troutman plus whatever you want to call Taysom Hill. So you could see room for improvement there. Uh, the Saints lost Caden Ellis at linebacker. Uh, in free agency as well. So you could see another young linebacker coming in to potentially replace DeMario Davis. Really what you do is you just look at the roster for someone who's on the second half of their career and then figure, okay, let's get someone younger there. So that also opens up safety where you have Tyron Matthew and Marcus May, both older veterans. Maybe you bring in a safety. But that's really it. I mean, at this point, it's kind of a luxury. Oh, and I guess I would be remiss if I didn't say the Saints could still draft a quarterback, whether it's a uh, hooker out of Tennessee or someone else who might fall to the second or third rounds, uh, they can still draft a quarterback to try to develop behind Carr. Christopher Donalds, if you're uh, half as good as um, raising your kids as you are talking about the Saints in the NFL, your kids are in great, great hands. Thank you, as always. That was terrific. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Jordy. Have a good one. All right, buddy. Christopher Dunnels, kind enough to join us. Um, Saints got a couple of defensive linemen, uh, and we're still awaiting some other things down the road. The big news, Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and wrap up our number one. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is your home for the Nice Coaches Show presented by Mr. Bill's Seafood Express, Southwest Beverage Company, Line of Bed out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Tune in tonight starting at 6 as our host, Jim Gazzolo, will be talking with new men's basketball coach, Will Wade. You can hear it all right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, finishing touches to our number one. Not only are the Carolina Panthers with uh, Andy Dalton and getting a new, uh, getting the first pick in the upcoming NFL draft, um, 
they're kicking the can and talking about, thinking about the former Minnesota Viking wide receiver, Adam Thielen. Um, mutual interest on both parts. Discussions are ongoing per a league source. It still could happen at some point as Thielen is visiting with the Carolina Panthers today and weighing his app options. So uh, we'll see along uh, along those lines. Now, tomorrow is going to be a busy day, and I'm thrilled that um, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, will be wall-to-wall opening day coverage of the NCAA tournament. We'll have games on all day. So um, I get a chance to watch all the games and not have to be interrupted by coming and working. So it's a, it's a great day for me, and it'll be a great day for the game and all of you listeners as uh, there's nothing like it. First day, field of 68, uh, field of 64, rather, and um, on we go. So looking forward to all of that. Mike Huguenin will join us in hour number two, get his thoughts on the tourney, get his thoughts on whatever else is out there, um, and we'll discuss it all. We'll kick that can down the road. So, uh, again, the big headlines of the day, um, Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. LSU baseball, 11 straight wins. They're 16-1. and one. The Cajuns get a seven-zip win over Jackson State. They take on Mississippi State tonight in Biloxi. And we're getting closer and closer to LSU's women's basketball team as they open up the NCAA tournament Friday in Pete's Palace, a four. 30 tip against Hawaii, where they are a 32 point prohibitive favorite in the ball game and led by AP All American Angel Reese. So she's not a finalist for the uh, Wooden Award or whatever the award is called. I think it's the Wooden Award for women as well. Um, but she is certainly. Uh, one of the five best players in all of college basketball and the first LSU player since 2008 to become an All-American, and that was Sylvia Fowles. So quite uh, quite a coup for one Angel Reese. So stick around. Hour number two straight ahead. I will give you a rant on the New Orleans Pelicans after this Top of the Hour sports update. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go with my main man, James Mesh. Inside the Evco Development Studios, Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ, which is 1041 Lake Charles. We are streaming everywhere around the world. Um, on 1037thegame.com 
and 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can watch us on television as we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Uh, We found out in 2021 that LSU and USC, the Fighting Trojans, would be meeting in the 2024 Las Vegas Kickoff Classic. So we've known this for a while. Well, um, today, the network covering the game uh, gave further details about the game. The game will be played on September the 1st, 2024, at 6.30 p.m. Central Time and will air on ABC. So that's a Sunday night, September the 1st, 6.30 kickoff on ABC. The 2024 Vegas Kickoff Classic at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So mark your calendars, start making your plans, get ready. Let's go to Vegas. Uh, James Mesh, I think you and I should do our. Uh, we should we should go down there and uh, we should uh, do a broadcast. Uh, get there maybe on a Thursday. Do Thursday, Friday. Get a feel for all the Tiger fans coming in Saturday. Do a live show on Sunday and fly back on the red eye and and be ready to go. So I think that'd be great. September first, Sunday, September first, twenty twenty four, six thirty p.m. on ABC, and of course. It'll be here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles from Las Vegas. So that's that's pretty darn good. Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. The Saints um, picking up a couple of defensive linemen, Nathan Shepard being one of them from the New York Jets. Um to replace David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle, and the likes. And then after that, they went and got from the Kansas City Chiefs, um, Kalen Saunders, a six-foot, 325-pound space eater. So there you go on the Saints' side. Across the street last night at the Smoothie King Center, as we all know, the New Orleans Pelicans, fighting for their playoff lives, had a chance against the Los Angeles Lakers to even their best of four series at two games apiece, and more importantly, get one game ahead of the Lakers in the Western Conference playoff race. In front of a packed house, the Pelicans came out as flat as a pancake. They fell behind 14 zip in the blink of an eye. They fell behind by as many as 36 points in the first half. 36 points. You know how hard that is to fall behind 36 points in a half? They went on to lose to the Lakers 123-108. No excuses. Oh, we didn't have Zion Williamson. Lakers didn't have LeBron James. Who's got more skins on the wall? Who's won NBA championships? Who's been to NBA finals year after year after year? Don't tell me about Zion. Don't even tell me about that. This is a team that, for some whatever reason, was not motivated to play. They got beat to every loose ball. 
They got beat on the boards. They were absolutely like they were in cement. They couldn't move. You got to blame the head coach. You got to blame the coaching staff. And you got to blame each and every player on that team. There is absolutely no excuse, no none whatsoever for that. And now the Pelicans are 33 and 36. They are out of the playoff race, a full game behind the Lakers, the Mavericks, the Thunder. They're behind the Utah Jazz, who are at number 11 because of their series throughout the year. And the Pels are going backwards. The most critical stage of the season, they are now 3-7 and seven in their last 10. The Lakers, without LeBron James, but they made some moves at the trade deadline. They're 7-3 and three their last 10. This team plays with no energy. This team plays with no emotion. This is a great front-running team. If they're making shots and they're ahead, they're really good. But when they get knocked down, they never get back up. They never come from behind. They don't have the fight in them that is necessary. They don't have any leaders on the court. They're all quiet. Oh, we get along great. That's great. You better have some jerks out there that demand excellence or they're never going to make it. So disappointing to see this team with so many great expectations absolutely fall flat on their face, get beaten up, and don't fight back. Do not fight back. They got back-to-back games in Houston Friday and Sunday against the Rockets. The Rockets are 16-52. and They're playing for the lottery pick. They're playing for the number one pick in the draft, and yet they just went out and beat the Boston Celtics. Pels play them twice in Houston. Do I need to say how significant that is? But you can't trust this team. You cannot trust them to come out and give the effort. You know, winning is a learned habit. It is a learned habit. The things you do, you figure it out and you understand what it takes to win. This team still can't figure it out. They don't value the basketball. They throw it around like, oh, it's okay. Let's let's put on a great show. Let's be fancy, but not efficient and not effective. They can't guard anyone. They got beat off the dribble by the Lakers. The Lakers penetrated. The defense pinched in. They kicked it out, and the Lakers knocked down uncontested threes like it was shooting a layup. Meanwhile, the Pelicans can't throw it in the ocean from downtown, and they're at their home court with so much to play for and playing with absolutely no emotion, no enthusiasm, no energy. The three E's, they had none of it. They better be lucky I'm not the owner because we, we, we would have had a serious meeting in that locker room after that. We'd have had a serious meeting at halftime of that game. Pelicans fans fill up the arena and you give them that kind of effort. That's unacceptable. 
So the Smelikens are alive and well yet again. Alive and well. I don't think Zion's going to play at all. I think he's going to come up with something. They're going to get it reevaluated and reevaluated again and reevaluated again. I'll be surprised if he plays again this year. And now the Saints, the Smelikens are on the hook, and you can't rely on them. Brandon Ingram, who knows what's going on with him? They just don't. They just don't play hard, and they don't play together when it counts. It's easy to do that in game 10 and game 20, but now uh, you're game 69. You play 82. You do the math. You got 13 games left. You got some, you got two with the Rockets. You got one with the Spurs. You got one with the Trailblazers, but you also have some with Minnesota, Denver, Sacramento, the Clippers, Golden State, all teams well above you. So disappointing, so disheartening, so just ridiculous. Thoroughly, thoroughly disgusted with them. No effort, no energy. Willie Green, throw a chair, do something. Quit standing there like you're, do something. Cut somebody out. Get a technical foul. Do something. I mean, it's like, what are we doing? I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But anyway, there you go. Um, We'll see what the Pelicans can do next. They've got two winnable games, although it's on the road in Houston, where on the road this year, the Pelicans are 11 and 23. I just, at least just give me effort. Act like you want to be there. Act like you really care. I mean, you're getting paid handsomely. Earn it. Play like you care. They just, most important game of the year. They don't even show up. It's 14 nothing. Pelicans fans are about to collapse because they don't sit until the, the team scores a bucket. It's 14 nothing. They're about to collapse. Yeah, man. Done with them. Done with them. And I'm done with this segment. We'll take a timeout. Michael Huguenin will cheer me up from uh, on3.com. Hump Day with Huguenin next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station needs your help. We want you to go subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. Help us get to 1,000 followers. That would be terrific. At The Game Louisiana on YouTube. Uh Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Uh, it's my favorite uh, guest of the week. He's been a longtime friend here on the program, and we greatly appreciate Mike Hugan. And, Mike, all I can say is if the rest of the games in the NCAA tournament are like the first two games of the first four, we're in for quite a ride, my friend. How yeah, are you? It's, it's exactly right. I was actually texting a friend last night, and we, we both watched because we don't care. It's NCAA tournament. you got to watch. But we both said after the pit, Mississippi State game, which was quite frankly one of the ugliest games ever played. But we both were like, oh, my God, these games were actually both entertaining in a weird way. And they were both exceedingly close. And you're right. The whole tournament's like the two games last night. Ah, this is going to be unreal. Yeah, all down to the wire, all with shots at the near the buzzer to win, and um, close but no cigar. Um, Alabama, the number one seed overall, and now uh, Brandon Miller has armed guards around him due to threats. My goodness gracious! Yeah, that's an unfortunate aspect of fandom in a way, and obviously a, a fame, but. Uh, you know, we, we we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Alabama is the team wearing the black hat in this tournament for a lot of fans because of the way they've handled the situation uh, and because of some of the things that, that um, Oates, Nate Oates has said and then the pregame routine they did that now is no longer uh, allowed by Alabama. But it's, it's going to be a major story throughout the um, NCAA tournament. I know at the SEC tournament, Questions were asked, like on one question was to the to eight to Nate Oates, you know, how did you decide how, how many minutes you wanted your starters to play? And then the next minute was, Coach, do you know how many of your players own guns? So the oh juxtaposition gosh. was incredible, and I guess it got a little bit contentious in a way, at least among the moderators, because I know one person, one reporter was asking a question, and the moderator yanked the microphone away. So <laughs> that, that yanking the, mo- the microphone away is not going to happen at the NCAA tournament. So my presumption is Alabama now has a PR person traveling with them. Um, there's going to be a lot of canned responses, but everybody is going to ask those kinds of questions, so Alabama needs to get used to it. Get used to it, come up with, with you know, like um, Chris Beard today uh, speaking in front of the Ole Miss media and national media. Um, he just said, we're not going to talk about arrest questions. We're not going to talk about these things anymore. And just stay with that and move on. Yeah, and yeah, the whole Chris Beard situation is interesting. Um, yeah. But, no, it's, it's – and, and at least oh, – it's obvious Ole Miss had a plan, um, right. which is – and I guess McNeese State did, too, when they hired Will yep. Wade because they've already suspected him for five games. Yep. So yep. you can sort of – I was sort of chuckling there as I said that, but you have to sort of give grudging respect in a way to McNeese and Ole Miss because they knew questions or they, and they knew issues were going to be raised. So right. in McNeese, they suspended Wade for five games before he's even really stepped on campus. And in Ole Miss, obviously, Chris Beard's going to give canned answers. Um, and you know, is that going to make the controversy go away? Of course not. But at least there was a plan at those two schools. I know we did a story last week about Alabama and their crisis management, and it was it was atrocious. So, um, and that, which I think is now why they have a PR person uh, traveling mm-hmm. with them to make sure that 
they they have one unified message. We're not answering your questions. But, yeah, Alabama is going to continue to be asked those questions. Alabama football, now Alabama basketball. I think people are getting sick of Alabama and the success that they're having. But there's a there's a couple of other jobs out there that are open. And it, it reminds me of the old Big East days with St. John's available, Georgetown available, as the Pat Ewing era has come to a screeching halt. Great player, couldn't coach. Um, and there's a coach out there who's in his 70s who – I don't is is Rick Patino going to leave Iona and go to a place like St. John's maybe? I know they want him. Yeah, I think I can see I can see St. John's hiring him. I can't see Georgetown hiring him. And Ewing, it's interesting. He was a assistant coach with the Orlando Magic. Uh yep. obviously I live in Orlando and Magic folks raved about him. A big time big man when he played. Right. Um did a really good job, players said with, you know, the the intricacies of playing center footwork right. boxing out work on certain shots and it just not did not translate to the college level um but again being an assistant in the nba and your focus is on big men um it's a lot different than being a college head coach whose right. emphasis has to be the entire program but i i, I could see st john's hiring patino i can't see Georgetown doing it. Uh, and one guy, I guess, whose name has come up for Georgetown is Ed Cooley, who I think is a great coach. Oh, yeah. um, he is a Providence. Providence guy, though. And I, I, that's that would be an interesting move for Ed Cooley. I guess Georgetown does have a higher ceiling, but it's not like Providence hasn't been to the Final Four and hasn't been successful of late. So that would be a, a coup in some respects for Georgetown because you're – you're hiring a good coach, and you're hiring them away from a, a program in your league that's better than you are. Uh, the Final Four is in Houston. Houston is uh, ranked right up there. They're one of the one seeds. They, apparently, Marcus Sasser looked, as he was practicing today, looked like he had great movement and would be able to play. Time will tell. Um, that would be quite the coup if Houston could do something on their home court. Yeah, home city. Yeah, that would, But, you know, one thing I think people have overlooked – the second-round matchup, and it's in Birmingham, potentially could be Auburn. And mm-hmm. that's, that's blatantly unfair to Houston, I think. First-round game, Iowa-Auburn in Birmingham, and Iowa's the higher seed. So basically you're playing Auburn. It's an Auburn home game. So yep. that's something to watch if it's going to be uh, Auburn-Houston. Houston's the better team. But, you know, crowds play a role in the NCAA tournament. If, you, if anybody's been to an NCAA tournament game, you know, nobody, there's nobody who doesn't care who wins. Uh, most people cheer for the underdog and their team. But um, Auburn, again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'd be playing in Birmingham, and that seems a little bit unfair in a way. I'll put it this way. If if all the teams that you believe have a chance to win this national championship, if they all play their very, very best game, does anybody beat Alabama? Yeah, I think so. I think okay. that I would have picked UCLA but until Jalen Clark's injury. Um, I, I'm, I think Arizona could give them some trouble. Arizona can score. Uh, Arizona is extremely physical, extremely big. Um, I don't know if they're as athletic as Alabama. Um, I would love to see Alabama go against Houston's defense. Yes, Alabama is physical to an extent. They're not close to 
Houston's physicality or right. Texas's physicality. Um, and, you know, Kansas, um, Kansas to me, has the, I think the West region is the toughest. Um, I'm also – I saw UConn play early on this season, and well, I'm like, good. God, that's the best team in the country. And then they hit a long wall, and now they're playing well again. Um, you know, I don't know how good a coach Danny Hurley is. Um, he loses his cool, I think, a little bit too often. But that's a very dangerous team as well. Um, you know, basically you're saying, would I take Alabama or the field? I'd take the field. Though Alabama, when they are at their best, yeah, that's, that's a scary good team. But I think you can say that for a couple others as well. Okay, Michael Huguenin with us um, as we talk NCAA tournament. We've got two more play-in games today. My boy, my boy Johnny Jones, uh, in the in, in the swag. He just, that's three years in a row now that he's he makes it to the tournament. I don't know how far. You know, I don't know if he wins tonight against Fairleigh Dickinson or not. But the fact that he keeps winning his postseason tournament says an awful lot about him. Yeah, he gets his team playing it. Playing well at the right time, obviously, and I sort of yep. felt bad for Grambling. They they win the regular season title in the SWAC. They've never been to the NCA tournament. I They're know. playing a team that came in with 13 wins and they lost. So I've, I actually felt bad for Grambling. Um, but you're right. I mean, Texas Southern. Um, I, I think it's obvious that other teams in that league fear them in March. Maybe not in January or February, but certainly not this year. Because again, they they came into the tournament with a SWAC tournament with eleven wins, uh, and then they win three to win the title. Um, and the Fairleigh Dickinson game—that's an interesting matchup. Fairleigh Dickinson has a new coach who was hired from a Division two school. He brought his backcourt with him from the Division two school. They're five nine and five ten, and you're like. You know, mm. they're, they're short little dudes, but they are exceedingly <laughs> quick. And you know better than anybody. you got good guards in March, man. You can, you know, you obviously neither of these teams has a chance in the next round. But mm-hmm. I would argue that if, if you're in the first four and you win a game, hey, we won an NCAA tournament game. So uh, I think, I think uh, that game is going right. to be intriguing. And that's what. That's what's great about it. It's terrific. Everybody talks about, Mike, the the 12 versus 5 seed, and that's where in recent years, that's where some upsets have occurred. So I'm, I'm going to go through them with you, and you tell me which one has the best shot as a 12 seed to beat the 5 seed. Charleston's got over 30 wins. They got San Diego State. What do you think of that one? Yeah, Charleston's another team that counts. They got, they're leading scores at a Division two transfer. Um, yeah. A lot of transfers on that team, well-coached. I don't know if, you know, we talked before about how physical Houston is. San Diego State's basketball players could easily walk onto the San Diego State football field and put on (laughs) uniforms and play defense because these dudes are muscular, big, physical, and they they knock you around. Charleston can play some good up-tempo basketball. That, to me, is a really good game because San Diego State does not want a game – like I would, I would say, if it's above sixty-five points, San Diego State's in trouble. So that one okay. to me is is a legit toss-up. I think Charleston is a really good team. Um, I'm not sure that if they can handle the physicality though of San Diego State. All right, let's go to the Midwest. A five seed Miami versus a twelve Drake. I think Drake's winning because Miami's big guy Norchad O'Meer, uh, a transfer from I believe it was Arkansas State. He was uh, first-team all-conference last year at Arkansas State. He's hurt. And the story I saw this morning was his ankle's bad and he may not play. And if 
Uh, if he doesn't play, uh, I don't think they're beating Drake. Drake's got a kid, Darian DeVries, um, who's – I'm sorry, Tucker DeVries. Darian's the coach. Tucker okay. DeVries, who's probably a fringe NBA kind of guy. Good shooter, uh, 6'7 kid. He can handle the ball. Mid, nice mid-range game, can hit the three, pretty not bad around the basket. Miami wants to get up and down, so does Drake. But if if you take away Miami's – he's really Miami's only good big player. So if he doesn't play, Miami's going to be exceedingly small and they don't rebound the ball that well anyway. Okay. Um, let's head out east. Uh, maybe, un, maybe not seated properly because they're red, red hot. Duke is a five seed. Oral Roberts, we've talked about them as a 12. That, that's a good basketball team. Yeah, I, I think Duke, it, you know, if Virginia's a four, how can Duke be? Duke should be a four and Virginia five. Right. Um, and you're right, I, I like Oral Roberts. Um, they get up and down the court. Uh, Max Admus is still there. Um, they're coached by a former Baylor assistant who knows what he's doing. Um, I, I think if it's for any of the other fives, I'd be more inclined to pick or Roberts, but you're right, okay. Duke. Um, Filipowski is a good player. Jeremy Roach is healthy. Um, the game is the game here is here in Orlando, which is I'm not going, but I, maybe I should. Right. But I, I think Duke wins because they're playing pretty good basketball right now, and they are hot. Um, the win, yeah. The winner of that game will take on, and a lot of people think they're not seated properly. They've lost their point guard. Um, Tennessee's a four seed taking on Bob Marlin and the Raging Cajuns. What do you think of the Raging Cajuns' chances against Tennessee, a four yeah. versus a 13? Yeah, I think Tennessee Tennessee struggles to score big time, and that was yep. when they had the Kai Ziegler. Um, and, yeah, you watch Tennessee play, oh, man, that's, that's a team that really plays good defense. And then you see them on offense, and you realize, oh, thank God they play really good defense because that's the only way they're going to win a game. So I think I don't think Louisiana. This is this is not Marlins' best team. Uh, right. I don't really truly think they're the best team in the Sun Belt, but they did win the conference title. Um, I think Louisiana's got a great chance to beat Tennessee because I think Tennessee peaked earlier. Right. Ziegler's loss is big, um, and there's nobody now on Tennessee. Um, you know, Viscovi can get hot, but he also can go one of seven from three-point right. range. So I think Louisiana's got a legit chance. I think I Tennessee think... wins, but I would put it at like 55%, 45%. I think Louisiana has the best chance uh, I... among the 13 seats. I do, too. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, another 5-12 St. Mary's VCU and the rest of the bracket. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Hump day with Huguenin. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You need to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? No worries. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night. As a member of our rewards club, we have the opportunity to score excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041 the game.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. 
They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Continuing on with Hump Day with Huguenin, Mike Huguenin from On3.com. You know anything about college football, college basketball? He knows it. He knows it. We've been talking, Mike, about five seeds versus 12, but we got one left, and that's St. Mary's versus 12-seeded VCU. I don't know so much about St. Mary's. They don't look like the team they used to be, in my opinion. They're extremely well coached because I think Randy Bennett's one of the uh, top ten coaches in the country. He knows what he's doing. Um, St. Mary's is unathletic. Um, They're a very smart team. They make you play, for the most part, at their pace. And I think people look at, when, oh, my God, Gonzaga blew them out in the conference tournament. That's the 12th time they've played Gonzaga in the past four years. Um, Gonzaga knows how to play St. Mary's. They can be a confounding opponent um, if you're not willing to be a little bit deliberate. I don't know if VCU can be deliberate. Um, they played well uh, in the A-10 final when they beat Dayton. Dayton destroyed them in the first half, and then VCU clamped down defensively in the second half, and that's probably what worries Bennett. If VCU um, comes out extremely aggressive defensively, St. Mary's is going to have trouble. Uh, but St. Mary's makes you pay if you make a defensive mistake. I think that's a... Uh, very interesting game. I think St. Mary's wins, but you know, like I said before, uh, 55-45, I think this one's a 55-45 game in terms of percentage. VCU, if they can impose their defensive will early, um, force some early turnovers, cause some panic, that bodes well. But if you know, St. Mary's isn't bothered by VCU's pressure, St. Mary's is going to win. St. Mary's is a well-coached team. Again, you can't overstate that. They're a high basketball IQ team, um, and they don't generally make mistakes that beat themselves. And that's the turnover aspect. That's that's the thing to watch. Which number one seed, Purdue, Kansas, Alabama, Houston, which one is most susceptible to getting beat? Purdue. Purdue. Okay. I think Purdue could lose in the second round. Um, If if March is all about guards, and historically it has been, I mean, what's the last time uh, a big man was the key player on a team that won it all? Danny Manning, a center, I mean, and Zach Eady at seven foot four. You know, I know Christian Leitner was a six eleven guy, but he wasn't a in the paint guy. Zach Eady's an in the paint guy. Purdue's guards are freshmen. Purdue's guards are a half step slow. Purdue's guards are not athletic. Um, no, Edie is a matchup nightmare. And again, Big Ten teams have seen this guy for two years now. And whoever they play second round, Memphis or Florida Atlantic, is going to go, oh my God, that guy's a, he's literally a walking giant. But the athleticism for both those teams, I'm not convinced Memphis has beaten FAU. I think FAU is really good. Yeah. They're exceedingly deep, um, and they, are, they, they spread it around. I guess the one thing about spreading it around, as you would know, is. When you need a bucket, who's going to get it for you? And I'm not sure FAU has that guy. But the FAU-Memphis game, I think, is going to be tremendous. And I think the FAU-Memphis winner has a legitimately good shot at beating Purdue because I don't trust Purdue's backcourt. 
Wow. Um, I love it. I love it. Two seeds, Arizona, Texas, Marquette, UCLA. Arizona's the best two seed, right? Who's the next best one? I, I think if you if Jalen Clark were playing for UCLA, I, I would pick UCLA to win it all. Um, mm. Marquette is playing phenomenal basketball right now. Um, that point guard, Tyler Kolick, another transfer, started at George Mason and then transferred. Yeah. That's a well-coached team. Shaka Smart, I think, um, you know, he did not succeed at Texas. Um, he's done a phenomenal job at Marquette. Um, really has. They, they play good defense. They're a smart offensive team. Texas, to me, um, they look good in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, they've beaten Kansas twice now in the last, what, 10 days or two weeks of the season. The, the twos are strong, man. That's a strong group of twos. Um, I think right now, though, um, if Marquette and Texas played, I, I would take Marquette. Um, me too. UCLA, I'm still unsure about a little bit. Because of the Jalen Clark injury, because of Adem Bone is hurt, is hurt a little bit. He's supposed to play, but you know, UCLA had a legit chance to beat Arizona in the Pac-12 title game, even without Jalen Clark. And you know, Tiger Campbell's been there a long time. Uh, Jaime Jaquez has been there. I think Gene yep. Barto recruited Jaime Jaquez. Um, yeah. and those dudes are. That's another high IQ basketball team. So yeah, the twos, man. That is a phenomenal group of twos. I got a number three seed going to the final four. I think I think it's Gonzaga's turn. I don't know why. I just got a gut feeling. Yeah, I saw him against St. Mary. I understand. But Drew Timmy's really good. As a, he's a really good college basketball player. Mark Few's obviously a very good coach. Why do I like the Zags so much? Yeah, I think they're, they're by far the strongest number three. And, and I was talking to another friend of mine. It's like almost like Gonzaga's under the radar this year. Which is like, what, what did you think about it? For all? no one's talking about them. Nope. Um, you know, they lost some games early. Um, they lost to St. Mary's in their own league. They lost to Loyola Marymount in their own league. Oh my God, they didn't even win the regular season title. Blah blah blah. And then they looked really good in blowing out St. Mary's in the in the conference title game. Part of that, I think, is familiarity. But they do yeah. have a lot of key components. And you know, I heard well, Drew Timmy's not a good NBA player. Who cares? Oh, who cares? This is college basketball. That's He's right. a college player, and he is a extremely good low post scorer. He's the kind yep. everybody's played against this kind of guy in you know CEO, CYO leagues or on the playgrounds. He just he looks. He like, wins. Come on, this guy's good player. He's got a headband and a mustache, yep. but he's sneaky good. Um, he's more athletic than you think, though he's not a high-level athlete. Um, he can hit the 10-footer. He, he's adept at drawing fouls. He's, a, he's an okay defender, plays well enough on defense. They have a lot of nice role players. And if some of those role players step up, like Bolton in particular, Gonzaga is a team that can do a lot of damage. And, man, they are experienced in March because every single March yep. Yep. they're highly ranked and they're highly seeded yep. and they play – good opponents in the tournament that they're this is a, a well-seasoned team so yeah I, I think if there's a number three seed in the final four it's going to be gonzaga all right well let, let's get to that point and see what who who comes out of the south alabama's the one seed arizona's the two who do you like coming out of the south i'm taking arizona okay 
Very good. And the bottom of that bracket is the East. Uh, Purdue's the number one. I think they're, they're going to get upset. Marquette's the number two. Who do you like coming out of the East? That thing seems wide open to me. Yeah, I think it's. I, I actually think Marquette and Duke play for the East region title. Because wow. you're right, Tennessee, Louisiana. Tennessee's overseeded. I don't have much faith in Purdue. I got zero faith in Kentucky. I think Kansas State's a great story. They turn the ball over too much. So to okay. me, it's Marquette or Duke. Um, Marquette I'll, I'll go Duke. with Marquette. All right, Marquette, Shaka. Huh? Shaka shocks the world. Uh, in the Midwest, Houston, what a story it would be. Texas is the two seed. How about that? That's the hardest division, the hardest region for me. Because, um, again, I think Houston, you mentioned earlier the Marcus Sasser injury. Um, the fact that they're playing all, potentially playing Auburn in the second round in Birmingham. Um, I, I, I'm still going to pick Houston. I think Houston gets to the Final Four. Isn't there a great sense of humor? I, I, I'm so pulling for Texas to beat Colgate and Texas A&M to beat Penn State, which I think is going to be a really good game. That's a tough matchup for A&M. But if they both survive, yes. A&M plays Texas in the second round. Wouldn't yeah, that be something? You know what struck me? You're an SEC guy. Texas yeah. A&M is seated the same as Missouri. Makes no sense. Can you explain? Oh, that's, that's, no. No. Makes no sense. Zero sense. No. Zero, none whatsoever. So you got Houston coming out of that one. Uh, the West seems to be, it's tough. It's wide open. Kansas is the one seed. UCLA is the two. You already said Gonzaga is the best three seed. I got the Zags going. UConn's in that one. I'm taking Ooh. UConn. You got UConn going. I okay. think that's an ex- extremely interesting team. Now, this could all get blown up. Um, I don't think it's going to get blown up in the first round, but um, – Hurley is – I like Danny Hurley. Um, I like his passion and his intensity. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes he lets it get the best of him. He's got to stay calm. But he's got a really nice group of players. I think that's yeah. a well-defined team in terms of what, what they're asked to do and not to do. Um, Sonogo, when he wants to be, can be a really good – Inside presence, I think he'll be a he, – I shouldn't have said when he wants to. I mean, he can be a real big inside presence. I think sometimes they forget he's on the team. The, the, the transfer guard from East Carolina is good. The Miller kid can shoot. Uh, so I'm taking UConn. You know what I love? These commercials they come out with for the for the NCAA tournament with Barkley and uh, Spike Lee, and uh, those are so good. Have you seen any of those yeah, the, yet? Yeah, for the credit Willie card Nelson's company with Samuel L. Jackson and Jennifer Garner, and they yeah. even use Jim Nance in them now. Yeah, those are – I would much rather see those than a Reggie Miller ad for Wendy's. But those are they're, – they're clever, they're fun, and you can tell that Barkley – he must be – I interviewed him once, but it was in a group session. He must be one of the coolest guys to hang around with because he yes. always seems to be happy. Yes, and he tells it like it is. Yeah. Mike Huguenin, uh, I'm not going to bother you for the next four days because you're going to be wall-to-wall hoops, baby. So you enjoy every minute of, a, of it. We'll talk next Wednesday. That field will shrink significantly, and then we'll get down to basics game after game after game until we get to the final four. So uh, thank you as always. Enjoy the hoops, man. No question. I always enjoy it. Thanks, man. You're the best. Michael Huguenin on 3.com. Back to wrap things up next. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. Over 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette. Baton Rouge and Mandeville by the Louisiana lottery. So many games, but you can't win until you start playing DC's little capital Exxon. I 10 at the Henderson Cecilia exit with their true seafood deli home of the best cheeseburger. Your mouth has ever tasted and by Cajun chef turn up the taste with Cajun chef hot sauce. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back. Finishing touches again, LSU-USC. Um, more details on the 2024 season opener in Las Vegas will be played on Sunday, September the 1st, the year 2024. will be televised on ABC with a kickoff time of 6.30 p.m. The Vegas kickoff classic at Allegiant, Allegiant Stadium. Home of the Las Vegas Raiders. So that's one of those trips that everybody's going to be looking for. Uh, it'll be the first meeting between LSU and the Trojans since 1984 when the Tigers beat the Trojans 23-3 in the Coliseum in Los Angeles. That was the day, I'll never forget it because I was there, where the PA announcer said midway through the third quarter, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in L.A. Coliseum history, we have run out of beer. Uh, nothing like Tiger fans. Nothing like it. Special thanks to our guest today, Matthew Bruni on all things LSU, Chris Dunnels, all things with the Saints, and Michael Huguenin with the NCAA Men's Tournament. If March 15th is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your day with the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Happy 51st birthday to one Mike Tomlin. Um, again, the NCAA tournament field of 64 after tonight's two play-in games. Uh, um, good luck, Johnny Jones and Texas Southern. I hope you beat Fairleigh Dickinson. I really do. And then you've got Arizona State and Nevada. The winners will move on, and then we'll have 64 teams left. And it gets underway in earnest tomorrow, and we'll have all we'll have games for you all day long here on the game. So we will not have the Jordy Helpert show tomorrow. I will be a basketball junkie and a basketball fan, and I will be watching and listening to all of them. So I cannot wait for that. Should be fun. We'll be back Friday to recap the opening days. Look ahead to LSU baseball against Texas A&M, uh, the, the Cajuns against Arkansas State, women's basketball game against um, Hawaii. We'll have a lot to talk about on Friday. James Mesh, thank you so much. Thanks to our uh, all of you that listen in, whatever form or fashion that you do. And thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. 
Until Friday, I'm Jordy Helpberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. And let's all be happy. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh next. So long, everybody.